Welcome to the struggle. All right, we'll do this one more. <laughs> All right. From Buffalo, New York, it's the Struggle Is Real Buffalo Music Podcast. Welcome to the Struggle Is Real Buffalo Music Podcast, your backstage pass for what is and is not happening in the Buffalo music scene. Uh, after talking to our last guest, Mr. Elliot Jacobson, for a little while, I found that I am within four degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. Which makes me five degrees separated from Kevin Bacon. Cassidy Duan. We've won the game. Yes, we have. I wish there was a backstage. You said the backstage pass, and I was like, stages. There is. Give it time. We're getting there. Have we'll we talk about the that stages? later. Yeah, right. So on episode number 74 of the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast, Cassidy and I will be talking with sound engineer Fred Betchen. Uh, Fred has been a sound engineer since the 1980s when he worked with Buffalo legends like Mark Freeland and today is an, uh, an engineer at GCR Audio and Select Sounds in Kenmore. We're going to talk about some of the weird projects he's worked on in the past, how he got his start, some tips he has for uh, musicians going into the studio for the first time. And uh, we're also going to be playing music from Steve Ballesteri, Evan Anstey, and Jay Bands. Hooray. But first. But first. Well, first. Shows again. Yay. So, um, Struggling Productions. Uh, well, I got to kind of frame it. Uh, I got my COVID vaccine uh, last Wednesday. Right. So uh, basically, with the way that everything's scheduled out, I think April 8th is my will be my first day completely vaccinated. I've got a big smile on my face talking about that. Perfect. So um, I'm going to be doing my first show. will be back at Milky's on April 16th. I mean, my first incidental music happening with food and people. It's all and, happening. Um, it, it, but uh, Brookhaven's playing. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're a cool kind of like emo hardcore band kind of from North Tonawanda. You've all got right. them coming in. They're bringing a few of their own uh, their own openers in. So I think that'll be a real uh, a, a ruckus night to get back into things. So what are we talking about? Dollars at the door? No, we, we still can't charge a cover. That's not allowed. It's Rule, illegal. Rules have changed for, I think, like 94 different area bars, but Milky's is not one of them. Good to know. Uh, the capacity numbers have changed from 25% to 33%. Okay. Um, for me, at least, that for Milky's, that's like four or five people, just because you can only have so many tables when they have to be six feet apart. Exactly. But uh, I think that's good to see, and I think some of the bigger venues, uh, that'll work even better for them. Right. So I... We're coming out of it. I honestly, you know, by even by, you know, we're recording this on, what, uh, May 5th? So even six weeks away from now, I, I think we it's could March. be seeing some, yeah, some lessened, um, some lessened rules and guidelines, hopefully, if people start getting a little bit better and we can all be responsible. Spring can so. spring us all loose. I, 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 I hope it's going to happen. I don't want to get too excited. And then also, um, I got hired to book at uh, Witters in North Tonawanda. Uh, it is at 300 Oliver Street. Um, what is the room like? It uh, It's a nice room. It's it, it's a sports bar, basically. Okay. Um, it, it, a new owner took over about two months ago. So uh, the way the place is set up is... Um, it, it, there's a dining room in the back, and there's a bar in the front. Okay. The dining room in the back has a, kind of an area on the right backside that's kind of raised above the rest of it and that'll be where we set up the stage and then the rest of that room can fit about 35 people right now but we'll fit about 70 people 
once COVID guidelines are lifted and the bar can hold 15 now, but in the hold 30 once guidelines are lifted. Right. So uh, at least for right now, um, they just want people in there eating food. So we're not going to do any cover charge for at least it looks like the first couple months. I think an opportunity to go out and support local music and not have that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. A blessing. Um, so um, if that sounds interesting to you, um, I don't know the I don't know their uh, URL off the top of my head, but find it on Google. Um, you can make reservations for any of the upcoming Saturdays. We will have um, I'll have them listed somewhere in the near future. So, so far, live knows. music at Witters on Saturdays. Yep, Saturdays seven to ten, no cover. Cool. So if you you can just I mean if you want, and you like just, bar food. Yeah, even better than bar food. I mean they they had like chicken parm. Uh, they had a nice uh, it was a bake, barbecue bacon uh, chi uh, chicken sandwich i had some wings so i think it's i think it's bar food and like a little more than that cool and uh yeah it's a really nice place and um for not charging a cover we're actually able to pay the bands pretty well which is uh, that excites me all the time right so um it's a lot of cover we got a decent amount of covers in there but then we also have get we have like grace stumberg coming in uh genesis and his crew's gonna be coming in to do a hip-hop and r&b show uh the aforementioned brookhaven's doing a show there as well so we're kind of kind of i think as we speak it's grace's birthday so the podcast we'll just wish her a little happy birthday wait who Grace Stumberg's birthday. Oh, it is. Happy birthday, Grace Stumberg. We'll just clap for her. I like it. I'm glad she's alive. She's very talented. Yes, I, I, I enjoy her very much. So um, they're all coming, so um, I'll have a schedule out. I'm hoping the Struggling Productions Facebook page will have some Facebook events up as well. But uh, I'm really excited about it. Uh, first, got to buy a PA, and first I have to convince an owner to let me spend money on a PA, which is the, the big next step. But, I mean, I'm basically, I have one more March date to fill, and then we're booked until June. That's and great. even the June dates are starting to get eaten up. Like, I stopped actively looking for stuff when I filled up the end of May, and I'm now just getting approached by more and more people. Perfect. So That's exactly where you want to sit. Absolutely. So uh, And congratulations for emerging from your COVIDity, because I know that you. cocoon of COVIDity was hard for you. <laughs> As it is yeah. for everyone, but especially without that. I'm a people person. Yeah. Couldn't do my stuff. So, Good. yeah, so that's really exciting. So, um, we're going to get to our interview with Fred next. Um, first, um, I got this song, uh, someone just randomly reached out to me and was like, how do I get on your podcast? And I'm like, well, tell me about yourself. And they told me their story and I kind of ended up telling them that I'm like, I think you're a little too early in your, your journey. Like, you know what, you should play some shows and get a little experience and then you'll have those weird ass uh, concert stories that we love so much on this podcast. Right. So, um, but he ended up sending me one of his songs, and I, I thought his story was compelling. I, I, I certainly, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know all the details. Um, his name is Jay Bands, and he is 20. Um, he has been in, uh, he's been in prison for the last four years and just got out on parole. So, 16 to 20 in prison? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So... I'm not here to judge the morality of anything that happened in that, but I, 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 I like giving people second chances when they can, because I think, I like to think most people deserve it. I like giving so. kids who make foolish mistakes exactly. second and third chances. Absolutely. I mean, 16 sounds really young to me. I, I did some stupid shit at 16 that I could have very well gotten arrested for. Not even well. knowing what the stupid shit is, I can just tell you. Exactly. So, um, so, you know, so a lot of times I get 
people just send me stuff and sometimes you get stuff from like a young rapper and you hear it and you're like uh but i i really like this guy i like his flow um you know there's still some stuff that needs to be worked on it's still raw but it's, it's i just watched the biggie smalls documentary so you're catching Ooh. me like straight up <laughs> straight up thick uh, we, uh, <laughs> next episode we have to talk about music movies now because i keep seeing them and like i have a pile of shit i want to talk about right now right. not shit good stuff but you get it so um this is what i believe it's kind of his first single it's called same man Cool. So uh, check it out, and then we'll be right back with Fred Betchen here on the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast on WesternNewYorkMusic.com. So fast, I dress the best, just check my swag Money on me, I got to a bag I remember being broke, that shit felt sad Who helped me out? I could say a few names Whoever didn't, can't be on my team We money hungry, that's the number one thing Can't fall in love, that's a root of all evil Foreign car, it go so fast I dress the best, just check my swag Money on me, I got to a bag I remember being broke, that shit felt sad Who helped me out? I could say a few names Whoever didn't, can't be on my team We money hungry, that's the number one thing Can't fall in love, that's a root of all evil Had to get in my bag, switching my swag Can't see what you want, am I still the same man Still the same man, we can I shake hands if you not G, baby, nigga, you ain't my friend You ain't my homie, you ain't my king Toast spinning down all the way up to 10 I don't beef up with hoes, that money just send it I love heavy chains, that cold big pennies They hang down my neck, nigga, bitch, what's you wet, nigga, don't get offended Why you upset? If you ask me a question, I might not answer, nigga My own business, that's your very best bet In a fast car like a NASCAR I'm a superstar with this brick on my arm Fuck the fame, fuck the chains I just want money, it's replacing the pain I been through too much, man, I don't wanna talk If you make the wrong move, my dog gon' bark Four, four bullets gon' spark That bitch got sense, so I use in the dark I stay with the strap, stay with some pack Stay on some races to live out the trap I don't do relations, I'm all in my bag If I lost one thing, then it's not meant to have Four, four, four in car, it go so fast I dress the best, just check my swag Money on me, I got to a bag I remember being broke, that shit felt sad Who helped me out? I could say a few names Whoever didn't, can't be on my team We money hungry, that's the number one thing Can't fall in love, that's a root of all evil Foreign car, it go so fast, I dress the best, just check my swag Money on me, I got to a bag, I remember being broke, that shit felt sad Who helped me out? I could say a few names, whoever didn't Can't be on my team, we money hungry That's the number one thing, can't fall in love, that's a root of all evil I been chasing that money, chasing that guap Not chasing no top, but the number one spot I don't wanna fuck, but I might want top I been through the desert, I been through the drought Had to run it up, had to cut up the fake, cause ain't one of us Had to run up them bands and they part of us Me, G-Baby, that's my blood brother And he strapped like the Navy, I don't want your time No, I can't be okay, put them blues up for them days it get rainy, I'm always working, I can never get lazy, I was fucked up But them times when you're changing, I pray to God, that's the minute I'm praising Judgment coming this world, only fading, can't trust nobody cause they full of that hatred Four, four, four in car, it go so fast, I dress the best, just check my swag Money on me, I got to a bag, I remember being broke, that shit felt sad Who helped me out? I could say a few names, whoever didn't Can't be on my team, we money hungry, that's the number one thing Can't fall in love, that's a root of all evil and we are back here on the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast on westernnewyorkmusic.com. That was Same Man by Jay Bands. And we are now joined by Fred... It's a Betchen? Betchen. Betchen. All right. I like that. Think of it as Bitchin only with an E, and you'll get it right every time. I was going to say just like that. that. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Fred, uh, you've been uh, an audio engineer in the area for... 35-ish 37. Years? Started wow. in 1984. Awesome. Yes. So, um... You... I was negative two that year. <laughs> I was two that year. Cool, dude. Wow. Yes. Thanks for making me the oldest guy in the room. I'm usually the oldest guy in the room, wow. so that well, makes me feel That better. was a whole different 
wave of recording. Absolutely. So <laughs> now, uh, were you start? Did you start on two inch reel, or were I you did. guys doing ADAT then? No, point, well, it was huh? way before ADAT. So ADAT was a '90s invention. Oh, I didn't know that. Pretty much late '80s, early '90s, I believe. Um, so we were two inch, twenty four track, console, thirty six inputs, all Neve EQs and preamps. Ooh. And, oh, get a chill. Chill down my spine just but thinking think about, about it. it. But logistically, it's a whole different world when you're working with 24 tracks, and that's your limitation. There isn't this infinite amount that you can create as many things as you want to. So, uh, wow. I never, I always did, uh, I did 16 tracks on 2 inch reel. I didn't know you could do 24 like well, that. 16 was actually a preferred format because the head gap is larger, so there's more detail going to the tape in the first place. Oh, wow. Um, 24 was a compromise for quality, but eight more tracks, think about it back then. Oh yeah, 16 is quite a limitation. But then again, Abbey Road, or, or um, Sergeant Peppers was done on a four track. Right. Exactly. So it's all about <laughs> using what you got and that it just made a whole different approach to recording because you were always mapping out what you were going to do because you were going to have a limitation. You were going to run out. Yep. So how are you going to make best use of what you have? Yep. You only had, you only had like two reverb tanks. You only had two compressors. Yeah, right. You had to figure out right. what was going where. So you'd always track with a lot of those things. If you were ready to commit to an EQ or a compressor, you'd do it right from the get-go because you only have so many to use. And then coming back through, you could use them when you mix on different channels. Sure. Uh, makes me warm and fuzzy to talk about two uh, two inch reel recording. <laughs> so, um, what was the first studio in Buffalo you worked at after you graduated? Uh, uh, Mark Custom Recording in Clarence. Okay. They've been around since 1962. Um, started off as educational recordings. The owner, original owner Vince Moret, was a, a school band director, and he started recording his. Uh, his band's rehearsals every day and then taking the tapes home and listening to it and getting a totally different objective opinion about what the band sounded like when he wasn't buried in the score and, and conducting and leading the group and using the recording as an assessment tool. Sure. So as he did that more and more, his band got better and better because he had great ideas for suggestions. So other band directors noticed that this guy was making these huge improvements with his band They're like how are you doing it vince well i've been recording my band and then i take it home well will you come over and record our band <laughs> will you come over and record our uh. band and then that's how the whole business grew so it started as this little tiny operation with a two-track recorder that's awesome and it grew into a big facility where spyro gyra did their first album there talus did their first album rick james did his first album oh, wow there. yeah so a lot of big groups recorded at that studio. I mean, at the time, uh, when I came on in 84, there were only three 24-track studios in Buffalo. Oh, sure. Mark Custom Recording, Select Sound on, in... Um, Kenmore? In yeah. Kenmore on Elmwood, and what was that at the time, Trackmaster, which has since become GCR. Wow. But so those, do you think that in and of itself is a unique quality in Buffalo, just the idea that of that time you had those recording studios? Uh, well, well, that time was so unique, but I think it might be parallel to any other city, too, because really, as a musician in, in any town, you're at the mercy of, of uh, the facilities that are available to you in that town. Yeah. And in this case, if you wanted to go and get a professional recording, you had to go to one of these three places. I mean, right. there, there was a 16-track place, there were a couple of 8-tracks, and a lot of them did really good work. But if you wanted to go full-on, 
there were only a couple to choose from. So at that time, it's like the studio was had the market. I think I say mm -hmm. it in a compare and contrast to all of the home recording and audio engineering exactly. <laughs> happening now, you know? Right. That's just it. The revolution came, like you were asking me before about ADATs, when the digital revolution came and it became an affordable thing to, oh, yeah. to put it in your home, in your basement, your garage, whatever, um, it then... You didn't have to go to one of these studios. So the funny thing is the rates now, the equipment's better in many ways, but the rates have never gone up. Yeah. In many ways, they're actually lower now than they used to be then because now, why do I want to go pay a studio this amount of money when I can go to my friend Joe's place? He's got Pro Tools in his basement. And if Joe knows what he's doing, Joe can make a nice recording. Sure. You know, and, and if it, it, it doesn't take that much of an investment now. Back then, you'd have to buy a $100,000, $150,000 console, a $30,000 tape machine, let alone the structure oh, of yeah. the studio itself. Maintenance, all that stuff. It all adds up quickly. So it, it's a different world from a basement studio to a production studio still today. Sure. But the, the, the It's a lot closer. It's so much closer. You can do great things. I mean, I have a mixing facility in my basement, too. You know, and it's I, that's where I do all my work, and it, I I could go and do it at, at another studio, but why? I'm sure, not. oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I have the get, I have the tools that I need to do what I need to do. So uh, that actually brings me to something I kind of want to talk about, which so you know you hear a lot of stuff from studios, you hear a lot of stuff that aren't from studios. Yes. Um, I think for bands on a budget, a really great idea is doing as much of the recording you can and then sending it to someone for you just for mixing. Now, if someone does the, the, all the work themselves, they get their clean signals, that's something, that's something you can do at your uh, own facility, too. Yes, absolutely. In fact, it's funny. I actually just did that recently for a guy, young guy, um, wrote one song, it's really poppy, but really well written. Sure. But he just used like a, a loop drum from a garage band kind of thing just as a thing to get it started. And then he built all his piano tracks, the layers and layers of vocals, guitars, everything at home. And then he hired me at, to go to GCR to track drums. Mm. So he did, because he doesn't have the facility to do drums at home. There's no way he could have done that. Yeah. So we replaced the temporary drum track that he had. And then, um, and then I took it home and mixed it. Awesome. And it's nice so, that you can piece the baby together like yeah, that's that. That's just so. it. Well, it's funny, though, because actually when I finished mixing it, I'm like, you know what? The bass line you kind of gave me wasn't really happening. It's not working. And we're so close. This thing sounds great now. Um, what can we do? You have budget to get a bass? So we're lined up to do a bass session in next week. Nice. So these things grow. But mm -hmm. yeah, it, it, absolutely. Someone can do all the tracks. And the great part about that is they can do it in the comfort of their own home where they don't get red light uh, fever, where yes. I'm recording, I paid money for this, I'm getting really nervous. You get you nervous know? and you get faster. Oh, oh everything gets sloppy. You tend to accept things that you wouldn't accept if you'd taken the time, listened to it again, decided, you no, know, the more I listen to that, the less I like it, I want to do that part over. Oh, absolutely. You know, those kind of things you can do at home. And that's the beauty of mixing at home, too, mm -hmm. is because I can work on one song for an hour and then just forget about it for a day. Come back and pick it up the next day and go, oh, I love what I did with this, <laughs> but what the hell was I thinking when I did that? You know, and we're, if we're doing a four-hour dedicated, this is when we're going to mix this song, 
that's all, you know, you just build, you build, you build, then you're done, you hand them a project, and they walk out the door. I like to kind of sit on it, think about it, digest sure. it, play it here, play it there, check your mood, and, and, and don't schedule the time you're gonna be creative. When you're feeling creative, go work. If you're not feeling creative, why bother? Absolutely. You know, but that's the only thing you can do when you work for yourself. If you're working mm. for somebody, you got you're on yeah. a clock. You're on a clock, and you got to do what you got to do. Sure. So, but yeah, no, I think with the people doing the amount of home recordings I'm doing, you know, they sound good. I think they're doing a good job. But Absolutely. Kind of my example is I uh, I had a friend who got uh, he was working at this it's like an eighty five dollar an hour commercial studio up in Albany called uh, oh, I'm gonna, uh, I want the name and I don't remember it something hill. Anyway, um, my friend became an engineer there and. He got a discounted rate. So we went to this $85 an hour studio. We did four songs there. The song sounded great. Right. Then we did four songs at my college that I was working at, which yes. a nice, like not a, a, not a bad place by any means. Sure. But then we took all eight tracks and gave it to the same guy to mix and they sounded, you couldn't tell the difference. So that might not be how it works for everything, but right. when you have the like a cohesive mixer working on everything like that, you well, you it's can like do what that. are you paying for? Are you paying for this professional's ear? Yes, and attention just from their ear because yes. they've. I think it is. Uh, that's absolutely what it is. Um, put it this way: if you want to give a Stradivarius violin the finest instrument made to a beginner player. Yeah, give that to they, me. They put it to a beginner, it's going to sound like... Squeak, kid, squeak, it's going to yeah. sound horrible. You can give a toy fiddle to a virtuoso and they can make it sound good. Oh. So it's all about the ability, the talent, the thing. So, uh, like I said, with Sgt. Pepper being done on a four track, with the limitations had you it took brilliance to get what they got out of that oh and george question. martin and jeff emmerich and the engineers at emi were incredible and uh they found ways to do things that no one had done before sure. and I, I salute that to this very day <laughs> regularly so um you are an engineer at gcr how long have you been working with them so um i started kind of freelancing in 2016 myself and in 2019 uh, I don't know if you know Brian Federick, he's the uh, studio manager over there. He reached out to me because he'd seen, you know, we'd stayed friends over the years because I'd worked with him on a project many, many years ago. And um, he reached out to me because he'd seen that I was like kind of freelancing. He goes, would you be interested in, at freelancing at GCR? I'm like, what, am I interested? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. So um, we worked out a deal and I started doing sessions there in May of 2019. But I didn't become officially staff member until um, first of the year this year. Congratulations. Actually, thank you. Yeah, I saw, I saw that on your Facebook page right after we, uh, we worked together with uh, uh, Struggle is Real editor uh, John Galbo, John. a.k.a. Newspeak. Oh, yes. I got to be the bass drum holder. That was... <laughs> I'd say that was the weirdest thing I've ever done recording-wise. that sounded good. Yeah, it did. But uh, <laughs> I, I did some weird shit in college, so it doesn't quite meet that. Um, if you didn't do weird shit in college, what were you doing Oh, now? yeah. You get that recording <laughs> studio at like 3 o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden like a vacuum becomes, becomes an instrument. I have a recording of myself <laughs> just diving through. It's probably like 12 cymbal stands <laughs> just to see. We ended a song with it just because... I, at college. Oh my. College. 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 Right, Cassidy? I, I was there. <laughs> I think I was there. You kind of right? remember. Something <laughs> yeah, like that. It happened. So, uh, now I know you've worked, how long have you been working with uh, Select Sounds in Kenmore then, freelancing there? So, 
you know, 2016, pretty much. And in 2018, actually, um, I started teaching their recording technologies program. It's... Um, oh, I didn't know they had that. Yes, they do. But it's it's only offered if they get enough interest in it. It's something they were they had really pushed hard back in, like, the 90s, advertised in the paper when that was still a thing. And um, they would have, you know, um, 12 students for three semesters a year straight through Oof. but they gotten it down to where it's only like a handful of like five students yeah and it's only once every couple of years where they get you know because there's now so much availability of information i think on youtube and whatnot i mean i could i could learn to be an engineer quote unquote on youtube oh yeah right now how to do anything is out there um it's just a matter of if you want are willing to get in there and get somewhere where you can apply it Learn oh, sure. and talk and ask questions as opposed to it's, just listening to what they're t preaching to you. Absolutely. But have your, your questions uh, answered. And it doesn't even seem like the right way to learn that type of craft, no. you know? No. If you're sight on scene with someone, you could say, oh, nah, mm, mm, you know, totally. reaching over, I'm going to drive now, kid. There's, would, there's a better way to learn by doing, you oh think, than yes. I'm going to watch the tutorial, I'm going to repeat the tutorial. Absolutely. Can't. The best teacher of all is failure. Oh, without question. When you do something and you do it wrong, you learn you don't do it that way anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if you keep doing it that way, you probably need to find a new career. So as far as your own recording craft, do you have someone that you learn from? <laughs> well, I mean, I, did, I went to school for it. Right. So I will give my, my first teacher, Dave Moulton, was our audio guru at Fredonia, and he was just a fantastic person the most laid-back, chill, cool dude ever, and knew everything about audio, and could teach, could communicate right. to people easily. Um, and he was my initial guru. Beyond that, um, Vince Moret, who hired me at Mark Recording, was probably my first guy um, in the professional world. And then, at the same time, uh, this was when vinyl was still a thing. They had a vinyl uh. mastering a, 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 a lathe Cutting lathe. Ooh. Oh, yeah. R right across right. the hall from the studio to cut the master vinyl. So <sighs> the guy that ran that was named, uh, named Bob Brocky. Uh, he's now at Cornell University Ornithology Department, which is kind of strange, but actually running audio huh. birds. Huh? Uh, <laughs> Someone's got to do it. <laughs> That's another strange story, but the guy, that man Sounds was relaxing. Brilliant. Yeah. That I mean, man they're was marketable a, in the uh, call map market. Yeah, right? you think? Little bird noises. Bird noises, yeah. Love it. <laughs> or like Smithsonian Folkway recordings, how they have everything yes. cataloged for, oh, for yeah. everything ever. Yes, well, they actually, Cornell does the Peterson Field Guide to right. Birds. And oh. it's uh, at the time when I was working at Mark Recording, target. we were actually doing their cassette duplication. Uh, and they had to spec out special cassettes because the high frequency nature of the birds was like would saturate and destroy oh, yeah. the recording we just don't it wouldn't sound like a birdie when it's like someone banging on a microphone um but so they had to get the hot the best spec decks they had 150 nakamichi three head cassette decks that were <laughs> at the time 200 bucks a piece which is a lot of money to spend for a cassette deck oh yeah um or maybe they're 250 300 they're a lot anyways Real-time cassette duplication of birds. That was actually the first thing I did at my internship when I started working <laughs> at this place was put cassette labels on these bird cassettes. Wow. For days. Outside of the That box. makes me feel... I, <laughs> I had an internship that I just... Uh, 
I just filed. I did a whole lot of filing, and it was oh. it was, it was kind of awful. And filing I filing of what? Uh, contracts. Oh, that sounds exciting. They were uh, they were called Ted Curlin Associates. They were uh, they were one of the oldest jazz booking agencies in the country. They oh, had wow. they had Miles Davis. They had nice. Nina Simone died right before I got in there, uh-huh. and uh, they were like, "Whoa, you you can file fast." And I'm like, <laughs> you, "You've been watching me file." And then they're like, "Well, I think you need to archive." Any contract that's older than two years for this place that's been around for like 30, 35 years. You shouldn't have shown them your hidden talent for No! Filing. I was supposed to learn <laughs> skills that I could take places and do things with. Instead, yes. I just ended up with cut-up cuticles and <laughs> like one token job interview where I came in for the second job interview and they're like, oh, well, if we knew you came in before, we wouldn't have called you. And it's like, oh, thanks. Well, you learned so much from that experience. Yes, I. Le- that's what. What I learned is that I need to offer internships to college students so they don't have to go through that nonsense. Your interns get to do cool things. Yes, they do. Yes, that's. I always try to make internship programs fun. Yes. And and, and get the person wanting to do what we do. The tangible Absolutely. experience of right, it. Right. 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 I mean, I started as an intern. So oh, yeah. that's that I and I actually was lucky at the end of my internship five people were leaving to go to Trackmaster from oh. our recording and I was just trained. Ah, I was perfect. the same age as the owner's son and we were hanging out and we were best funny. <laughs> they I had a job I didn't even have to even hand out a oh. resume, look for a job, they handed me the job three weeks before I graduated from college. Right place, right time. Everything. I always suggest when like when there's stuff musically happening in the city, get out to as much as you can because you never know like what that place is going to be where you might meet that person who's sure. interested in what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that's just another great example. I, I think some of us who get to do things we really love are it's it's sometimes it's luck that gets you there, you know. Because yeah. sometimes you can just end up well, being hopefully... that creepy guy in his basement who's just <laughs> recording his neighbors. <laughs> well, well, there's luck, and there's also you putting yourself in a position. To, to be successful too, absolutely, and by your choices and and by your work ethic, and you know, my father was a very strong working person. Uh, he was a band director, and he had his fingers in a lot of pies, and uh, was always working, but always, uh, you know, always was an encouraging uh, teacher. Yeah, you know what I mean. You got to do that. Yeah. Do you have nostalgia for the analog recording technologies? Do you feel that like that's a great, great question? Uh, <sighs> There's a little part of me right. that, that does. I mean, there's so many. I still like the hybrid model we're at now where the recording and editing system is digital, but all the front end is analog. So I'm still coming through great consoles and mic preamps and, and uh, outboard analog gear and just capturing it in a digital world. Because here's the thing. What's the, what is the delivery medium 99.9% of the time? some kind of a digital format sure yeah whether it's streaming whatever right. it's very rarely of uh, like vinyl right. right that's about the only analog form that's a thing I, if someone said cassettes are trying to make a comeback oh. i can't see that working out too well i i i've seen bands with with cassettes at their yeah, merch I tables think it's more, but i think that's just more of as a novelty yeah than really i mean how many cassette decks are you finding in, in dashboards of cars these days Hello. I'm not even finding CDs. I was gonna say that I'm not even finding CDs anymore. Yeah. I miss my CD player. Car actually because it has a CD player in it. I actually <laughs> I can hang on to it as long as I can. If you look to your right, just for converting stuff for WesternYorkMusic.com, I actually bought the sound system I always wanted from like I when it. I was 16 nice. with the 25 disc changer. <laughs> oh, we're, we're gonna go random and have a party one of these days. You- 
you want to, I don't, this is too tangential, but maybe it isn't. No, um, never is on this podcast. The 25 disc changer, by the way, the multi-disc CD changer is what created the horrible um, uh, uh, audio anomaly called um, Volume Wars. Are you right. familiar with it? No, yeah, yeah. actually. Okay, so when CDs first came out, the, the whole big claim to love of a CD is this giant dynamic range. Sure. From its quietest, quietest to its loudest, loudest. And, and the big thing they wanted to do with CDs, well, two things, or be able to do classical music, which has the biggest dynamic range of any music, and to make the CDs long enough that it could hold an entire symphony. Sure. Right? So that was the whole design behind CDs. Huh. Um, and the thing is, with it was beautiful because you could put your CD in, you'd turn it up to whatever volume you liked it, and you had this huge dynamic range of quiet and clean. Hello, hello. That was whereas before everything you were dropping a needle on a on a vinyl here. Yep. With classical, it doesn't work so well. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so long story short, when the uh, multi-disc changer came out and people would have and random shuffle mode came on and you had it loaded up with the uh, rock all these rock songs for your party some songs would come on right. louder than others I got it and what what were the best ones all the hard rockers wanted to be the loudest ones mm -hmm. in oh, the CD player no. so what happens is the digital zero is still your top volume that you can put onto a CD sure you can't put anything on there anything beyond that is just clipping it actually doesn't go anywhere it's just like a brick wall sure okay so only way to make things louder is to compress your dynamic range so the appearance level of everything is louder so you had this big yeah. dynamic range it's going away it's going away and it's going away and that's because of a multi-disc changer huh. no one wanted to be the quiet cd in the cd player right to the point where honestly got, that feels how it, like it works with bands and venues still well, every, you don't every rock band wants there. to be the loudest band oh for sure well, that's part of being rock and roll. Oh, and I get that. But which is fine when you're in the band, but not when you're organizing the show. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> the worst example, I think, of Volume Wars was the uh, Metallica Death Magnetic record. Um, mm -hmm. That was a Rick Rubin production. And their idea was, we're going to make the loudest CD ever made. Mm -hmm. And they succeeded. There was zero dynamic. I mean, if you look at the meters when that song's playing, the song starts, and it's just a block of solid. It doesn't move. No up and down. It doesn't even fluctuate. Not even like a little bit of flutter. Wow. It's just... It, and and then there's a break in the song. It drops. Yeah. <laughs> right back up again. It is crazy. But and it sounds like crap. It's oh, really I, just... Yeah. But here's the funny part. And this is how you know volume wars are what destroyed audio on CDs. Um, the uh, Guitar Hero games that came out. Oh, yeah. So they had the stems. They had the drum parts separated from the guitar, so it wasn't all mastered. Because that was all done in mastering, where they brickwalled it like that. Sure. This was all unmastered stems. You actually sounded better playing Guitar Hero Death Magnetic <laughs> than if you bought the freaking CD. Oh. Truth. I believe that about every Metallica record. I'm just going to come out and say it. <laughs> um, so, uh, so you've worked with a ton of people. Um, Mark Freeland is someone who's come up recently because uh, uh, Buffalo Infringement Festival has the uh, Mark Freeland coloring book, which, <laughs> listeners, uh, you can now find at Cool Beat, Record, cool Beat Music in Sheikdawaga, Rust Belt Books in Buffalo, oh god, I can figure out the rest of them, Burning Books, uh, Revolution Gallery, and uh, Gutter Pop on Hurdle, which is a bookstore that got moved from Elmwood to, uh, up to Hurdle. It's really cool. It's right, right next to them. Um, so, what was it like working with Mark Freeland? Well, it's funny. I actually, 
I didn't work with them as much as I worked with people that were working with Mark. So I was around Mark while they were working with him. So you were within one degree of Mark. I was with him. <laughs> I was separate. So I told you, I was, as I was interning at Mark Custom Recording, the other guys that ended up all going up to Trackmaster, they were working with Mark. So I was getting my training. I was just sitting in on sessions ah. while they were working with Mark. So it was extremely educational. Probably even better to be a fly on the wall. Oh, oh yes. yeah. To not yes. have to do work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, to I mean, try to you know. <laughs> take it all in because, I mean, he's a genius in so many ways. And, and such a character that he would draw you in. I mean, his charisma was crazy. Right? So, um, but the way he went about music was so different than anything I was so used to. Of course, everything was kind of new to me at that time. Sure. Because I was just getting in the biz, but um, it was really just like eye-opening. So like what made it so different for you? It I was just like, um, it wasn't the, like the band dynamic that I was used to where, you know, the, the guys were bouncing off their parts and deciding what to do. It was pretty much Mark, Mark knew what he wanted to do. Sure. He told his guys what to do. And then he let them do whatever they wanted to do. <laughs> and then he made it all work in the end. And it's just, I don't know, it, it was just kind of... Um, Seems like a circus. It was like a circus. Yeah. It was like a controlled circus because you always had a vision of what it was going to be sure. at the end. So there was like a controlled circus. A Zappa-esque yeah. Oh, oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah, that's as good as comparison. As oh I man, of, actually, yeah. We just need we need to have just like as an always running Zappa esque band in Buffalo all the time. We haven't had one for a few years now. We we got to bring that back. We should always have. At it's least all one of about those. that charismatic front man, though. Like you need that energy, and I I don't know. I mean, yeah, I could no, do that. Right. Uh, Zappa couldn't sing. <laughs> So no, uh, oh, he didn't really need to. Yeah, he could sing with his fingers, and he could tell a story, and he had he would just look you in the eye and keep that straight face. You know, the yeah. clever, the clever is it, the, the clever. Yeah, yeah, you do. You have to have a smart writer. I'm going to work on that. I'll talk to some people. <laughs> I'll talk to. I'll have them contact. Not to insult you, you're very. Your banter is very comical. No you, you don't. <laughs> you don't know how high I can fly, Cassidy. <laughs> So who else have you worked with? That's Do you have favorite like, projects? Yeah. yeah, there you go. Well, it's funny because a lot of my favorite projects are probably going to be bands you've never heard of. You know what I mean? Where they wrote a Even particular better. song that was just like, oh. There was a band called Kama Sutra that, uh, yeah, um, Grand Island, I want to say. I mean, no, Lewiston. Lewiston area. Um, Anthony Aversa is a guitar player. And I'm um, trying to remember the name of the, the vocalist. She was wonderful. Um, but they did this really just haunting song about this op hair. And, uh, oh, yeah, it was like, huh. oh, and we got freakish with it. And it was kind of a, it was definitely an indie rock. Because this would have been early 90s. Okay. Um, analog days. Sure. On 24 Nice. Um, so kind of like Sonic Youthy almost? Oh, no. It's a little darker, I would say. Ooh. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. See, and again, I wish there were better archive of early yes. Buffalo music, Ryan Garnett, as we talked about. Well, like, I've, I've got that record. I mean, I kept a lot of the stuff I worked on that I really love. Um, if you want, if you want to bring any of it over here for digitization, there we go. I'll get it up on WesternNewYorkMusic.com, and everyone right. can hear it forever. Or oh, man, I have a lot of actually interesting Western New York music. Yeah, that's that, probably pretty unique. Yeah, no, I'm always I'm looking for anything I can get right now. I actually joined a. It took me like two weeks to get them to let me join. It's an uh, '80s like hair metal Buffalo group, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> 
But the guy, the guy that asked me questions, I needed a phone call. Like, he's, he full-on screened me to Jake. He's like, you're not in an 80s band. And I'm like... But, but I want to okay. be. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I was. Oh. So, uh, you know, along the same vein of projects that in your memory stand yes. out. Yes. Ever do anything really silly? Like, ever record a jingle that was just ridiculous? Oh, or God, what kind of... I know, right? It's hard to pinpoint. No, it's just that I've, I've literally done so much different kind of work mm -hmm. um i mean i've done books i've done um i guess i mean like the obscure things did anyone ever ask you to record anything really strange like a project that was oh gosh let me think notably I'm sure, strange i'm sure I, I did have to do um some alp alp horns alpine horns they're like these big things that are literally. I heard porns. You, you, real you have like when I was going to look at a big Viking tube, and it's on one end of the uh, room, and a big horn. I'm comes thinking about the Ricola commercials. Are those the Ricolas? Like yeah. the Ricola, exactly. Yeah. I know about that. Alpine horn projects. Yeah. But okay. I've done a lot of polka. And polka is. Right. Oh. Uh, it's not my favorite genre, except around the days that I'm working with polka, because you better love what you're doing. Oh yeah, you, <laughs> I, I feel like you have you have to be in a good mood. You need to be um, well rested. I feel like if you're like tired and hungover, I think polka. Yeah, you're not like, so much. Who stole the kishka? I stole the kishka. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good God. <laughs> um, who, like, what were your other famous pro oh, favorite oh, projects? Favorite pro oh, actually, one I can. One of the heaviest projects I worked on was a band called Zero Tolerance. Um, the, the drummer is, uh, uh, Pfeiffer, um, who ended up- Darren going, Pfeiffer. Darren. Played yeah. with, uh, Goldfinger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zero Tom's. Okay, so they were, uh, like, a hardcore band. This is the early days, like, 90, 91. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, at that point, the hair metal of the 80s that we were just talking about, um, was about being killed by the grunge movement and Nirvana and all that stuff. Yeah. Killed all the hair metal, excuse me, killed all the hair metal and also killed a lot of the pop synthy stuff that was happening oh, in the yeah. 80s. Yeah. And I was I was like, yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I'd about grown out of that at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, though, though, those synths. Though I had a project that was yeah. on the verge. It was like, they were like Mr. Mr. and they were on the verge of being really big and they were late. We were late. If we'd finished that <laughs> album, if we'd finished that album five months earlier before all that grunge stuff came out, I would have had, had a big hit record with that. Um, but anyways, this band, um, Zero Tolerance, with Darren playing drums, came in and they looked like um, the local college volleyball team, all clean cut, good looking guys. Hmm. They brought in their instruments, I'm expecting them to play like surfer music. And this was the most shredding, ripping, <laughs> and it tore my face off and I loved it. <laughs> um, and they'd actually given me a couple CDs of stuff. They said, this is what we want to sound like. And I'm like, okay, cool. So. It gave me an avenue, and I learned a new genre of music, and it became also, and then that particular recording did really well on the metal, on the local hardcore metal scene. Oh, I bet. And as a result of it, all their bands came. Snapcase, I don't know if you've heard of that. Oh, yeah. Um, they came, and I recorded with me. Um, Envy, uh, um, oh, what are there? So, so many. There are all these hardcore bands coming out of the woodwork. Would yeah. work me because I'd done the Zero Tolerance record. Oh, that's and fantastic. And then after I did Snapcase, all these other bands came out because I did Snapcase, you know? Yeah. Uh, Brothers Keeper from Erie, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, I remember them. Um, a lot of that kind of stuff. So it kind of <clears> kind of <throat> be, got to be my niche. 
which I never saw myself being a niche guy. I, I, I mean, I was brought up in a classical household, uh, but with an older brother who loved rock. And uh, I first job at Mark Recording, I did almost so much jazz. It was like proportionately way more jazz than any other kind of thing I was doing, because that's what the original owner was all about. So I didn't ever find, <laughs> think I was going to find myself as being the metal guy. Right. But I didn't mind it. Sure. It's a whole different set of challenges. You said your father was a band leader? Yeah, he was a band director in Elmira, New York. Okay. And um, so he had me playing French horn and drums when I was still in grade school. So, okay. Yeah. But you were around that then? I that was, was around that all the time. Mm. Right. All the time, which was great. I kind of, I have this strange wish I was born in like the dance hall era of Buffalo with the big bands right. and the, <gasps> I mean it just seems awesome to have a ballroom of yeah you know and that's your that's what you're dancing to instead of a DJ dude you're dancing yeah. to a big band playing I can't even imagine right, right? Oh, totally man. different energy nothing against DJs you know I think but. a big ba a big band is just about better than just about anything I can think of, to be honest. And I've done I can't, a fair amount of those. If they weren't so big, I'd actually want to <laughs> assemble well, them. There was, I, I saw in a documentary, obviously, this is well before my time, but the, the Crystal Boat, the Crystal Beach boat, the ferry oh, that used yeah, to go yeah. across, yeah. and how they had like a no jitterbugging rule on the boat. <laughs> <that> <laughs> the dance floor <laughs> I thought that was just so charming. Oh, that's Man. awesome. Man, I don't oh, know. That's hilarious. Big bands at Milky's. <laughs> Not I like it. For that, no. I, I just want to be. I want to be a big band leader. I think is the way to do. I want to do this. The Polish cadets used to have big band things going yes, on. Okay. Where we're in Buffalo, do we still have that? I don't know. I don't know. We digress. Beats the hell out of me. Recording studios, so we got those. Yes, yes we do. Jamie, um, have you ever heard of the device called the cough drop? Uh, oh, I, I'm all, I'm full of cough syrup right now. No, but it's not what I'm talking. It's a device. Oh, okay, let's. It's a recording device. Actually, it's used in broadcast. Uh, so if the guy's doing a live broadcast of a game and all of a sudden he feels a cock come on, it's a mute button. Oh yeah, it's absolutely. Called cock drop. It's a momentary ah, switch. I've not, never heard it called that. I like that. Yeah, the, the cock drop. Oh, that'll be next. The next board will have the cough drop. <laughs> I'll just do a, a sound effect for you. We'll just throw a little, throw a little bomb on it. There we go. Oh. I like it. So, um, do you have any like, kind of like unique recording techniques, like different things that you like to do that might be a little different than what they teach you in college? Ever done anything kind of like... Oh, gosh. I mean, that I use on a regular basis? No, just use it on a regular basis. I mean, yeah, You've I mean... you probably got to MacGyver all kinds of situations on a regular well, basis. That, that's, that's, that's for sure. You know, working in different studios, too, is like you don't know what you're going to run into, so sometimes you got to go, well, how can I make that work here? Or I'm used to doing it this way over right. here. Um, I, you know, I, I think um, the, the crazy things that we used to do with analog tape were a lot more exciting than the things I'm used to. I'm kind of now just taking basic principles and applying what I've been doing for years. Sure. And I usually start with a tried and true. Uh, it's when someone goes, okay, we want to try something different. You know, and, you know, just miking the back of an amp cabinet isn't that much different. Although, it can give you a totally different sound. Sure. Or using a room uh, to, and, and miking more of the room and using that mm -hmm. room as opposed to the close mic on, on a cabinet or on whatever instrument. But that's, you know, none of that isn't stuff they don't teach you. It's just a matter of when do you use it, when do you decide to go with a quick and easy or go with, all right, let's really build something here and make it work. You know, because a lot of times it's like, can we get through this because we have this much to do in this session? Sure. And we got to get it done. And if we spend all day trying to dick around with this, 
let me dick around with it when I'm mixing because it, it's, yeah. you know what I mean? There's certain things I can go, that is something I'll deal with in the mix. There's other things that I don't ever want to have to deal with in the mix. And most of those things Because if you don't get it right the first time, you oh, get performance yeah. issues. Right. I'd rather not deal with those in the mix. I'd, sure. I mean, sure, you clean up vocal phrasing if you got like five people singing and some people cut off a little bit late or something. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you clean stuff up. That's one thing. But to have to reinvent parts because someone didn't play their part right in the studio and I missed it, or they missed it, or we just didn't have time for it, that's, that's, when, it, that's when the compromise gets to be too great. I agree. I've had that happen recently. It happens. It happens. It does. It's why, it's why you need to rehearse. Ugh. So, Preparation is always key. No. I was so so that that actually was going to lead me to my next question. What is your biggest advice? If, so if, if I buy eight hours of time in GCR, my band's coming and I'm going to record yeah. with you. What what should I do that most bands don't think of? Okay. What, well, I would think I would hope that most bands would think to practice like a lot, <laughs> learn the song. But actually, here's the thing: you'd be surprised. Here's what you should do. <laughs> if the songs are, if you're like are not sure if your drummer is a solid drummer, <laughs> put them up against a metronome and you'll find out. Um, the, a click track is a, some can be a very difficult thing to play to Absolutely. if you don't practice to it. So if you're gonna try to use one in the studio, practice to it all the time. At least the drummer has to. Yes. And then if everybody else plays the drummer, you'll be fine, as long as the drummer can lock. Now, if the drummer's got impeccable time and doesn't really need a click, I don't force it on them. Sure. I always offer it. I say, would you like a click? Or if, let's say a song has, oh, well, this part of the song is at this tempo, and then we kind of do a fudge around here, and then we pick it back to original tempo, that can be a, a Those bit... Those guys are the worst. That can be tough to map out with the a click The worst. Track. can be done, but it can yeah. be difficult and time-consuming. Yeah, very time-consuming. So really, to prepare, if you're going to try to play to a click, then practice some have to. Absolutely. The other thing is, if you're going to break it down in the studio and try to break it down with, say, we're just going to cut drums, bass, and guitar, we're not going to do the keyboards and the vocals in the initial pass. Let's just yeah. practice that. Do a sectional rehearsal, just like you were if you were in a band. They would say, okay, woodwinds, we're going to do a sectional. We're going to work on our parts here. The brass are going to go over there. They're going to work on their parts. We'll do the big combined rehearsal later. Sure, yeah. Same thing with any kind of pop band. You can break it down and say, I want to hear drums, bass, and guitar. I don't want to hear the vocal. Can you guys hold it together without hearing the vocal? Do you know the song well enough to play the song without hearing the vocal? You know, those kind of things. Um, now, typically in the studio, I prefer to get as many instruments tracking live as possible. Sure. Even if a couple of them are just guide tracks, like particularly the vocals. I yeah. always have a vocal guide track. Yes. Um, but I don't... I always like to do the vocal later when I can really concentrate on it. Yeah, yeah. For many reasons. And the most important reason is that the vocal... Uh, if the vocal is bad, no one will ever listen to that song. Yeah. The vocal is the most relatable instrument to any to anybody, especially non-musicians who like music. Sure. It's the vocal is what probably resonates with them the most. I mean, I'm, that's a broad generalization, but I, I think that has to be the particular hmm. attention to detail. Yeah. Because that's the storyteller. Hmm. I like that. I never thought of it that way. I off during that. What was the original question? <laughs> it was tips for people going in the studio. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, 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 we stayed on track. Okay. Wow. So, um, we, have to, uh, we have to let you go, Fred. Okay. Well, so, um, if I listen to this and I want to work with you at GCR Studio, what is the best way? GCR Audio. Yes. What is the best way to contact you? Um, you can contact me at um, my email. 
Sure. And that's Fred dot Betchen, B-E-T-S-C-H-E-N. I had it right. At Gmail. Cool. So, yeah. No, I'll say, um, you know, we, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you in here was because it was really, you were so easy to work with in the studio. It was really nice and laid back. I know, um... When, when John mentioned he was going, I'm like, I have an open schedule. You want me to come out and hang out? I think it's good to have that extra, like, friend in the room, especially if sure. it's just you and the engineer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but it was, it was really laid back, and, uh, you know, like, I don't, I don't, with you there, I don't feel like I really even needed to be there. Like, you had, you had the room, like, every, you had every... But then who would have held the bass drum? That is true. <laughs> wait, wait, you don't have interns for that? <laughs> hey, come on, I've tried to give my interns better opportunities than hold the bass drum. Hold the bass drum. Uh, Lest you go file again. But, <laughs> but exactly. My, I think my one, my one regret is that we didn't, uh, I didn't have you take pictures of me holding the bass drum. Uh, that is what I, I really I want. No, you're right. Those unique moments are the things I should capture because I wish that I, I had gotten... Uh, pictures of a lot of things that happened in the studios Absolutely. back in the 80s and 90s. You wouldn't believe some of this. Well, that'll be another uh, podcast Ooh, for another day. I like this. Excellent. <laughs> well, uh, Fred, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, uh, sure. Everyone, uh, you have his Gmail. Reach out to him. He does great work. And uh, I, I had I had been in GCR, but I've never actually worked in GCR before that. It's just so... It's a super it's beautiful nice. studio. Uh, like, yeah. I've worked in other places recently that I'm, I'm not going to name, and not that they're horrible or anything, but, um, you know, wearing a mask the whole time when you're recording isn't... I'm like, I'm heat-averse, and it's not necessarily comfortable for me. You know, I remember having to go out and get breaths at some other studios, but when I was at GCR, I actually found it extremely comfortable. Like Even when you were wearing a mask. Yeah, even when well, I was wearing a, a mask. Big, it's a big room. There's a lot of space. So, I mean, the one good thing about um, social distancing and recording studios is that that's something we've been trying to do anyways. You're always <laughs> trying to isolate the musicians from each other physically sure. anyway, so that's not that different than it's been. So, yeah. yeah. So, no, I just I thought it was, uh, it was definitely one of the more comfortable studios I've been Good. in in a while so I think that's experience. I think that's worth noting because I think if you're not comfortable you can tell oh yeah you Absolutely. can tell everything sounds stiff yep all right Fred thank you, thank you for ha coming on we are going to play a song uh, it's called Rise by Steve Ballesteri um, he was one of the week four performers for Band Together Buffalo this was actually the song he had submitted um, I, I asked for it first though just so we know here uh -huh. Band Together Buffalo steals my ideas alright uh, and we'll be right back here on the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast I'm going to pound the table again on westernnewyorkmusic.com It hasn't been an easy road here Had to push past the pain Had to conquer my fears And get out of my own way Sometimes I get down on myself and feel so confused But I had to keep going like I had nothing to lose Gotta rise up, dust myself off, find my way anytime I got lost Put in the work, I paid my dues, here I am and I got plenty to prove It's my time, my chance, make the most of it, you can take that bet It's my day, my moment, gotta grab hold, I gotta hold it, gotta ride Take that bed, it's my day. 
Back here on the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast. That was Rive by Steve Ballesteri. Um, a nice feel-good song to rise up out of the COVIDs with. And uh, again, I, I want to thank Fred. I thought that was a great interview. And literally, like, as soon as we were done with the interview, we started talking to him, and he started, like, regaling us with a whole bunch of other interesting stories. Isn't and that always how it happens? It's like, man, you buried the lead. So we're going to have to have him back again at some point. Quite possibly. So um, I look forward to that. He's a really great guy. What a humble and, guy, too. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, if, if you're looking for someone to record with, produce a record, whatever, uh, you can... S- Fred's a great guy to go with, and I definitely recommend him myself. So, uh, next up, Cassidy, you wanted to talk about the new Ani DeFranco album. So, (laughs) tell us. Honestly, it might be one of my favorite things that I've listened to since the beginning of this year. Um, There's a lot of politics, obviously, in the fuel of Ani DeFranco's passion (laughs) and her songwriting. Um, You know, a lot of the critical reviews say that this is a very political and personal album, Revolutionary Love, that came out in January. Sure. Um, What I notice is that all of Ani's albums (laughs) tend to be quite personal and political. I'm amazed with the the, uh, heart that she shares with regard to her relationships, always. Oh, yeah. But also now with her activism... Um, you know, continuing as a role model and as a strong women's voice, a Buffalo voice, but also in this album, you hear how her New Orleans influence, it's it's coming up, it's infused this album with a lot of that jazz, almost, ah, the je ne sais quoi, it's like a Parisian, like there's weird, there's Latin beats and there's... Um, I feel like she's been sneaking that stuff in there here and there for a while now, but... You know, it's yeah. such a properly stewed stew right now, her sound. Yeah. Um, and her voice has, like, such a quality that is um, just her own. Just so unique. Is the quality of the voice still holding up? Are you starting to hear those little tinges of old? It's or like, almost is like it still... Eartha Kitt-ish. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, she's got this, this, uh, like, she's playing with the brushes. You know what I mean? I like that. When she's singing sure. her singing her songs this album too okay so the do or die track from the album has a video where she's shaving her hair oh i always say i don't know if you've seen that that video brings me right back to the righteous babe let me see the muscles on the pose that i shared that video with a couple friends of mine who i know like annie defranco i haven't talked to in years and i'm like this is a call to action like that's what that felt like to me and no it was so brave yeah i think for a woman to strip it down like that like you're told that your hair is your beauty you're told that you're you know that that's a lot of the the mask you put on and she's just like willing to drop it 
right away. Also, this album, uh, she was arrested for trespassing in the filming of the video, which I thought was just That's all. fantastic. That is, I mean, that is authentic. She, she didn't break anything. Nobody got hurt. In a time where you want your stars to be, to be authentic, that is authenticity. I love that. Right, right. And uh, there was like national... She was interviewed on CBS morning shows and, and that kind of thing, which I like to see from my hometown hero. Absolutely. Uh, one of the questions that she was asked, they were specifically asking her whether she regrets her decision to be such a solo independent, uh, you know, she's going to manage her own business. She's not going to sign to a major label. Sure. And she's like, you know, I've been asked that question so many times and I always say no, but yeah, maybe. Because I don't know, I, this struck me. She said she didn't know whether she'd done her songs justice. When oh. she goes back, she can go back and listen to Little Plastic Castle. She can go back and listen to, you know, these these 32 flavors and then some, these big Ani songs. And uh, she's like, if I had the right ears. So that brings me into the sure. conversation we had with Fred about needing to have these professional ears. Absolutely. Uh, that's its own level of talent and Polish. Yeah, no, right? I like, like, I, I wouldn't look at, like, the little plastic castles on me and say, like, she did her songs wrong there. No. That album to me is brilliant. Oh, my God. But, like, I hate the, like, uh, uh, Untouchable Face is one of my favorite Ani right. songs. I hate the album version of that. Yeah. For me, like, the Living in Clip version, the live version, that's the one you listen to. But the original version, you know, it, do, it, do, it does feel indie in almost a bad way. Right. You know. you got to capture that energy, too. But, uh, yeah, there's a fine, that, that is its fine own line. art, for sure, the recording process. So that brings us back to... Back to the full circle. So um, now, does the album have any like like does it have any like the Ani love songs or is this like all politics? No, I mean like there are songs that touch. There's there's bad dream. There are songs that touch on marriage and the nuances okay. of what happens during a marriage that is not so new. And I mean, there were parts of her Red Letter Year album that got oh, yeah. very very serious. Um, about marriage and, and about that institution of marriage, you know? And I think that she uh, does this really nice thing where you sense her being almost at peace in her music. It's like this almost at peace. Like the, the edge, yeah. she's not angry anymore. She's not trying to, to bark or, or preach to anyone. Uh, it seems like these songs come from uh, a mantra of what she wishes for herself you know like i'm gonna wish yeah. it to be by lyric that's beautiful i love it what's the name of the album again revolutionary love i'm gonna i i i've i heard the first single i saw and i saw the video because it was but i actually haven't heard any of it since so i will be i'm gonna be all over that no and it, like i said weeks. it's got a, it's got a mix of so many wonderful sounds so um everything you would expect of ani she's done it again beautiful yeah all right, well, we're going to play one more track, and then we're going to get going. Aww. So um, we're going to play a song. This is uh, Looks So Good by Evan Anstey, who we've played a couple times on here. Um, this is from a new album he released. It's called Alternates One. Um, he's basically created a new album featuring new versions of songs that he's recorded before. So A revisiting. Yes. I like it. I kind of want to do that with my like some of the songs I've done in, in over like the last many many oh, I'm old um, 
but yeah, I, I, I like, I love that idea. So, um, this was originally a song by a band called the Moon Hunters. Okay. It, it was recorded in 2013, and it was originally like a rock. I mean, it looks so good. It's a rock song, you know what I mean? But uh, this is a kind of a reimagining as like a bluegrassy version of the song. Interesting, too, for newer ears who didn't hear the original version. I'm going to listen to this and have to go <laughs> look at the original as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it's a night and day between like the instrumentation. Fun. But it's a great, it's a great song either way. So uh, we are going to listen to Looks So Good by Evan Anstey here on the Struggles Real Buffalo Music Podcast. And we'll be right back. Get away now, I can't get away now I can't get away now, I can't get away now I can't get away now, I can't get away now I can't get away now, I can't get away now I can't get away now, I can't get away now I can't get away now, I can't get away now I can't get away now, I can't get away now I can't get away now, I can't get
And we are back here on the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast. That was Look So Good by Evan Anstey. And that is all for episode 74. Episode 74. Episode 75. That's next, and that sounds like a huge number. Like, I think the 25th is the silver anniversary, and the 50th is the gold. What do you think 75th is? Dead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's a, it's a burial plot, I think, is the best way to do it. If you're still, 12. <laughs> if, if you're still alive, you probably need this soon. So um, we've got a lot of irons in the fire for our next com- coming episodes, though uh, I don't have anything nailed down right now. I'm as um, excited to find out as you. Like, there are definitely some people I've been talking to, some yeah. people you've been talking to. Yeah, there. no, um, Eerie Shores is going to be in an upcoming episode coming up. They're uh, kind of like an emo rock band from more like the Fredonia area. Eerie with two E's, though. Yes. That's right. And um, I've actually been talking with uh, some of the people from um, the Fredonia uh, uh, record label called Hail Fredonia, and we're talking about having a Hail Fredonia episode. So that might be coming in the near future, too. Yeah. But I don't know. So tune in for episode 75, which will release on April 1st. We're going to talk about our Patreon. We have a Patreon launching. That's important. And it's a Struggling Productions Patreon, and it has about 28 different tiers. And uh, this is an experiment, and just utter Patreon chaos. Like, some of these podcasts have, like, two or three tiers, but we're doing it for The Struggle is Real and RestonNewYorkMusic.com and the YouTube channel, because I don't, like, it seems kind of pointless to make three different Patreons, so I'm just going to try and... Or, or not. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, we've spent a lot of time working on it. We're going to see how it goes, and hopefully we'll find some stuff that people are into. Um, I will just mention... you got to offer good incentives. That's what it's about. Oh, right? We have some good incentives. For $5, we are bringing back the um, uh, Asking for the Pain segment, <gasps> in which for $5, I will make fun of you on this podcast for a minute. Okay, so a single $5 contribution yeah. earns you that one yeah, minute I'll make fun of, of you ridicule? for a minute. I will ridicule you. We did it to uh, Astrabula when we tried this I remember, out about I remember. 20 or 30 episodes. He loved it, by the way. He <laughs> thought it was hilarious. Every so often, I'll go back and find it and listen to you it. You got one and, fan. And it was right. like, oh, man, it's so brutal. <laughs> but that's what he wanted. It's, it's, it is called asking for the hurt. So Right. So we'll, we'll be talking about that stuff, and we'll have a guest of some variety and music by people who make music. And It's always a good time. Yeah, man. Well, folks, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Um, it's tough out there. Just ever, just be nice to everybody. doesn't take anything. And uh, keep on struggling. I thought you were going to play a sound effect there. I was going to find a good one. <laughs> <laughs>